Welcome to season two of The Hornet's Nest. We're excited to kick off a new season of great topics from around Flower Bluff ISD. It's been a different start to a new school year, but we are jumping in and diving deeper into a variety of educational news, district achievements, and resources for parents in the community. As we make our way through season two, things may be different, unusual, disjointed, but we look forward to plowing through this year no matter the obstacles. Hello, I'm Kim Snead, Chief Communications Officer here in Flower Bluff ISD and your host. Glad you have joined us here on the Hornet's Nest. Hello and welcome to the Season 2 kickoff episode of the Hornet's Nest. This week, we're talking about all things transportation, and we have a lot to cover, including new routes, Z-Pass, Info Finder, Laguna Shores Road construction, and the impact of COVID-19. Today's guest is our Director of Transportation, Carlos Vargas. Welcome, Mr. Vargas, to the Hornet's Nest. Thank you for having me. Great. Uh, You're new to our little district, so before we dig deep into our topic today, can you please tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you came to Flower Bluff ISD? You want me to start all the way back to 1984 (laughs) uh, when I started as a school bus driver at a large district there in the valley, Far San Juan Alamo. I graduated from Far San Juan Alamo in 1981. By that time, I was already married. My wife and I have been married for 39 years. Um, started as a bus driver after truck driving for my father and my in-laws. And um, that turned out to be different. And uh, so I applied as a bus driver for Washington One Alamo, and I'm still in it. I enjoy it. And uh, before you came here, where were you at? Just before I came well, we moved to Corpus in 2006, and I was a general manager for the RTA B-Line service from uh, 2006 to 2014. And then uh, April 4th of 2014, I was hired as a transportation director for London School. I um, ran that little place there for a while, and then June 15th, I came over to Flower Bluff. All right. Well, we're glad you're here. Um, we know it was a little bit of a rough start. Um we were already, you know, sh- we were already on summer break. We had been on shutdown, you know, and then, of course, shut down when school first started. So, um, but uh, we're glad you're here. And I'm glad to be here. So, so, uh, so we'll, let's go ahead and get started. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the routes because that has changed. Can you give me a little bit of reason why? That has changed, and let parents explain that to our parents. One one thing that um, I noticed that when we came, when I came on board, I noticed that we had um, a lot of different routes. Um, buses needed at ECC, buses needed at intermediate, buses needed at primary and the elementary. So, trying to figure out as to why why we had thirty two routes, and um, there was areas that we needed to. That I need to look at, and uh, for the help of uh, Ro- Ronald Robles, he is the um, chief operating officer. He also has transportation background, and we just sat down trying to figure out why so many routes, so many buses, for the small area that we cover. And um, we start looking at um, first ECC. Why do we have to have those six buses there? Well, it's based on dropping off pre-K and kinder students at home. 
I said, okay, can we change that? Why do we only have buses at the intermediate? You know, there, there are six, eight buses that they had over there. Well, the buses that drop off ECC now become intermediate buses. Then how, how can we have, you know, another 10 buses at primary and elementary? Well, they get out a certain hour. So we started really looking into time frame, student routes, um, ridership. And then it was my responsibility to meet with the principals at, the, at ECC first to see if we could change their method of drop-off. Instead of dropping off at home at every address, we can drop off with other students because we noticed that there were students that were in pre-K and kinder had siblings in first grade and second grade and third grade. We also heard that, I heard that um, some parents were kind of worried that I'm waiting at a bus stop for my first grader, yet I have to head home right away because during that same time frame, you're going to have a pre-K kinder dropping off their other kids. So it was kind of hard. Some parents did say that. Now, my way of thinking was, well, why not put them all together? It may have an increase in buses, but at least you spread out your routes and they're, they're done by a certain time. And that's how we started really looking into the map that we have here in, in uh, Flower Bluff and see what the ridership was at certain locations. And it, that way we built up the route. So your ECC became kinder, first grade and second grade, third grade and fourth grade, which is your primary and elementary, right together. Once they get done with their routes, that same bus that same area comes back and picks up the uh, intermediate, your junior high and your high school, and heads back to that same area. So that's what we tried to do, and it worked out fine. And for the most part, parents were, and I understand, they're, they're so used to having it the way it was. And we just made that change. So this driver, for example, Route 10, stays in that same area from pre-K all the way to high school. So they get to know the area the parents, you know, everything about it exactly. and the kids so you don't have They know already every that. child, mm-hmm. every, every household. Um, you know that this high school student has three siblings that go to the elementaries or vice versa. And you get to know the parents. So it it's makes it easier for the driver and for the community that they're in. So I, I probably should step back just a bit. Can you explain... Um, where what areas of our district the buses do go to because that is something that right um, for the most part I, I you know I studied the routes and the area that we have here and we have some areas that are close by the schools that are considered walking distance now and that the explaining that gives you a better picture of why the students that live along Glen Oak Walk or the the students who live along Purdue Walk. Because by law, as long as there is a 5-foot, 10-foot sidewalk without having to cross a major roadway, then if the students live within the 2-mile distance, not a 2-mile radius, it's a 2-mile distance from the school, they're eligible to walk, providing that those type of sidewalks and the crosswalks, those things exist. You want to say that, um, well, my child has to cross Waldron Road, which is a highly trafficked. Well, there is 
sidewalks. I mean, uh, yeah, there is sidewalks that lead up to the intersection, and then there's a crossing guard at each intersection. By law, we are, we are allowed to do that because you have what they call the controlled traffic light. You have a, we have a controlled crossing guard and a crosswalk. That is safer rather than trying to cross in a major roadway with there's no crossing guard, there's anything. And we're going to we're going to see those a little bit further down the road to say, oh, they're by SPID. It's not two miles, but there's not enough sidewalk from SPID all the way to the high school. Uh, there's not a, an established crossing guard at SPID. So those those are the areas that are considered hazardous. And then you have your two miles the ones that live beyond the two miles from the campus. And I'm going to use um, Yorktown and Flower Bluff Drive, all that area over here by uh, Mediterranean and Yorktown and this area as well by uh, Laguna Shores. And then you have the ones in the island. Those people, they live way beyond the two-mile radius. So those are the ones that are being dropped, uh, dropped off and taken to school. Yeah, I live um, right outside the school zone, but my street... The, it is a uh, bus pickup street because there's no sidewalks right there and they would have to cross Glen Oak. So it's beyond those sidewalks there. So that explains why it's closer than two miles. Right. But it's hazardous because there's no sidewalks there's there. There's no sidewalks, right. Gotcha. As long as there's a sidewalk established by the city or a crossing guard or, again, a crosswalk established with uh, alternating flashing lights... As long as there's that going on, then you're legally the school is allowed to allow those students to walk to school, provided that they use those safety barriers for them. Awesome. Well, that's good to, information to know because I, I know that not everybody understands, you know, those those um, rules and requirements that we have regarding uh, bus transportation. Um, so we're pretty much all here back. Students are back full-time and everything, so all the bus routes are pretty much set by now. All the bus routes are set, and uh, actually, um, just be, uh, I think it was Friday, we get a bus count every day. And Friday, we looked at the numbers that we have, compared them to what we've been doing in the past with before COVID, and we're close to 78%, close to 80%, I should say, of ridership. Uh, compared is, to last year. Yeah, I mean, time. well, last year we were traveling, we're transporting at least 1,600 students per day. Right now we're at 1,500, a little bit more than 1,500. So that's about 78%, 80% of the students that we're transporting. And we still have distance learning. We still have students staying home. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what the numbers would look like because my my experience right now with Flower Blub, I don't know what the numbers would look like if we have another 300, 400 students come come to school or ride the buses because of that. Well, you mentioned COVID. So what are the, what do you, what is transportation doing to keep our students safe when they are on the bus? Our drivers um, have their own personal equipment that they use or that we provide for them to sanitize that bus. Our drivers are practicing uh, safe methods by using masks. Uh, they have hand gloves as well. Uh, and then sanitation, uh, hand sanitizers for the, for the hands of the students. And we also have a, a sanitizer for the bus. So the driver, once he picks up, let's say he does his ESC and elementary route in the morning, before he departs to take off to do his junior high and high school run, he'll sanitize the bus. 
and then he'll make sure that everything else is cleaned up. And then from there, he sets on to his second route. Um, and when that happens or done, he drops off this high school student, which is the last one to get dropped off. He'll come back and he'll sanitize the bus before we he departs in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we'll do the same thing. Um, so the drivers have done very well. I'm very, very pleased and proud of what they've done, understanding what this COVID is all about. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uncertainty with this COVID, but our drivers have done a great job. I, I got to say that again, because they've, they themselves haven't been sick, but they haven't gotten sick and we praise God for that. But for the most part, our students haven't gotten sick on the bus as well. So awesome. those are things we do. And the kid, the kiddos that ride the bus, they're, they're required to still wear their face mask. Everybody's required to wear their face mask. I mean, there are situations where they don't have one. Our drivers do have an extra mask, five extra masks, and a Ziploc bag there for them. Um, but we encourage the parents just to be vigilant about that. Make sure that your, your, your students and your kids have their mask on there all the time. Because some people may think, well, it's not that bad. Yes, it is. Not, not in a bus. We don't want that to happen in the school bus. The drivers have their windows down, um, circulating the air inside there. But at the same time, they're taking every precaution because they don't want to get sick. And we don't want sure. other students to get sick. That's awesome to hear. Good news. Um, so speaking of um, safety, we're going to, uh, we're implementing or have implemented the Z-Pass. Can you explain that a little bit more? The famous Z-Pass. Z-Pass was something that the district had purchased a while back, and it wasn't up and running. Um, And thank God that uh, Ronnie and I, we just worked together, and he did did a lot of the computer work for it. Uh, We got it up and running. Z-Pass is a hard bus pass. It's got the student's ID number, name, full name, and, and it has an ID number in the back for the Z-Pass. That tells us when the child boarded the bus, either a.m. or p.m., and when the child got off the bus. In the past, we didn't know. Where did my kid get off? I don't know. I, I don't know who he is. If that were to happen now, I could easily get on the website, which we have it up and running all the time, Zonar, and it's going to tell me exactly where Carlos Vargas got off and what time he got off at, either at the bus stop or at home. So that's the benefits of Z-Pass. It's and our, a, our parents can see this. Our parents this. can actually actually view that as well. The parents um, will, will call and say, hey, did my son get on the bus? And I look at Yes, he did. He got on at 3.38. Okay. Has, he hasn't gotten home yet. Well, he hasn't gotten up. The bus is still on route because now we go back to another system with Zonar, and it tells us exactly where the buses are at through GPS. So, so I've been over at transportation watching this. So this is on a big screen TV. Can yes. you explain what that looks like? What that looks like, you have, in this case, all 16 buses that are uh, regular route buses. They're all on the, this huge map. And that map is showing um, GPS time where that bus is actually at. So when a parent calls concerned about their child, I can go back and I'll look at that map and I'll talk to the parent. Hey, look, the bus is on Glen Oak, for example. And it's going straight towards Flower Bluff. So it's going to be heading towards your way in about another five or ten minutes. However, your your child did board the bus at the high school. He's on the, he's on route. I can see his name there. Let me know when he gets over there. And I'll tell you exactly where he got off at. That's, that's what they do. Very cool. So 
So, so parents can. This is an app, or yes. is it a website? It's a web-based type of uh, uh, app. They can actually download it on their phone. They can actually see it through their phone. Um, but it's it's the Z Pass Plus, and that's the registration process. And then Zonar is district owned so we we're actually to see everything that's happening with the buses as well so the zonar part that's kind of hard for them because you need a password you need to log in everything from flower bluff area but the z pass can actually tell you what they're doing and then we have info finder that actually tells you where the bus stops are at um before we jump into info finder um so so on the z pass the students are issued a card. You said because it's a hard. It, it's a hard card. card. It's a it's, it's a hard plastic based mm-hmm. card, and in the back there's a barcode, and they just scan it right on top of the zonar pad, mm-hmm. and as soon as they scan it, it tells us that he just boarded the bus and she's getting ready to get off the bus wherever she got off at. So, and um, you know, we all love our kids. I've got a couple. I'm always having to find their things. What happens if they lose the card? For the most part, we're um, we're getting ready where we've already had that. I should I'll t- tell you that much, but um, I know that they want to start charging after the third card and uh, something we had discussed this with the people administration building and um, they're going to, I think it's going to be a $5 charge. Should the child lose his third card, uh, card number one and two are going to be replaced by us, but card number three and so on need to be uh, replaced by the parents and they're going to be charged a $5 fee for that. So, uh, on to Info Finder. So again, that is a that is a web based program. I know it's right there on the transportation uh, page on the district's website. And so, if you are um, maybe moved to a different part of the district or new to the area, you can go on there and type in an address and find out. The closest bus? Exactly. What you can do is just type in your home address. Mm -hmm. And your home address is going to pop. It's going to have a little balloon color. It's going to be a blue one or a gray one or a pink one. And then it's going to show an X. The X is going to be the bus stop. And what we tried to do, um, every bus stop, either a quarter of a mile to, to less than half a mile of walking distance. What we noticed here also is that we had too many stops. And that those stops, you know, slowed the route down. So InfoFinder gives you a bus stop where the bus will actually stop. Um, and that's where your child needs to walk to. And it's going to be the, uh, there's a yellow colored X. That's the elementary. The uh, red X would be the high school, junior high. And then you're going to have a, a pale green colored X. That's going to be the entire district. So you can have it either by campus or just look at all the schools and they'll show you exactly the same same x where they're going to be picked up and dropped off very cool it's all great stuff you know um all the enhancements to our transportation everything that's that's really good and, and i this know this is something the district's had in the past yeah. it's just it was never up and running mm-hmm. and this is, we made it our goal to have that thing up and running and it's worked out fine wonderful wonderful um you mentioned, uh, I want to also kind of bring this up a little bit um, because sometimes there's confusion about the crossing guards. Can you tell me a little bit about who they are and where they're at 
around the district and um, how they are employed. The crossing guards um, are employed by a private company. And, and uh, the city of Corpus Christi hired this private company to hire crossing guards. And I know for a fact we have a crossing guard on the corner of Purdue and Waldron. We also have one on Waldron and Hustlin Hornet. And we have another one on Glen Oak and uh, Waldron. These are the only three that I've worked with very closely. And um, the crossing guard, under their statute, under their, their laws that they have, they control the pedestrian that's crossing the street. By, by rule, every vehicle should stop. However, there's a vehicle that's making a left-hand turn. They have, this, the pedestrian has the right-of-way when there's that white little illuminated yes. sign that shows the person that's walking. walking person. Once that is illuminated, that's mm -hmm. the only time that, that the pedestrian can walk. Until then. Or when it's flashing, even when if it's, it's flashing and counting down. Counting down. The pedestrian Once, still yeah, is in the right-of-way? They, ha they have 28 okay. seconds to mm -hmm. cross. It's a 32-second stop. But at 28 seconds, that little light starts to illuminate and it starts to flash. By that time, the pedestrian needs to cross the entire roadway. In this case, the five-lane roadway for, for us on, on Waldron. But the crossing guard also has the right to stop the pedestrian from crossing to allow traffic to flow. Okay. And um, there, there are situations where some pedestrian, well, no, I have the right of way. Well, you do, but the crossing guard has the authority to hold the pedestrian as well. So those are the things that I actually looked up prior to coming here because I want to make sure that the crossing guards did also not only their job, but they also can help our, tra our traffic, our school bus traffic, by holding the pedestrians back one light and buses flow through and there are no buses on the street anymore. They're all gone. They're all doing their routes now. Or, you know, let the pedestrians walk in. We have a line of nine buses at one light, and that, that holds up traffic a lot. So they, they work well. I've been working well with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, they've always, they always do a good job. I'm dropping off kiddos, you know, across the district, and you know, they always do a, a really good job, and we appreciate them. Um, on that note, we do sometimes have an issue of kids getting dropped off in spots that are not necessarily where a crossing guard is at. And so from a safety standpoint, you know, what would you tell parents about making sure that their kids are that their kids safely get to school, whether they're getting dropped off at the car with the, you know, the car, a parent drop off or a walker or a bike rider. What would you tell our parents? Parents need to be careful. Um, they feel, and not knowing what the law is. If you decide, and I'm going to use Hustlin' Hornet as an example, you decide to stop on one side of the roadway to cross your child to get into the intermediate campus, and there's no crosswalk there. If you impede traffic, the flow of traffic, and I, I hate to ever have this happen, but if a student gets hit or, or you, the pedestrian, gets hit, you're, you're liable for that because you crossed a, a roadway where there's no traffic sign for you to stop. There's no crosswalk for you to cross over. You are impeding the traffic. The pedestrian is. If the pedestrian is using the crosswalk at the corners, 
they have the right of way. That's their right of way. And, and people don't understand that. Well, I can cross right here. It's a lot easier, a lot quicker. Yeah, but it's true. something happened. I hate to tell this, but the parents would be liable for that. Yeah. I'd agree. I mean, we, we just, you know, need to make sure our kids get to Yeah, the safety and well-being is the parent's responsibility, and that includes, in, that includes making U-turns on, on roadways like that. That includes uh, crosswalks. That happens too, the yeah. U-turns. <laughs> so... Um, so let's, uh, so we've talked a lot about a, di- a lot of different things, but um, we have some major construction going on on Laguna Shores that has started up um, by the city. And um, can you give our, our listeners a little bit of information about that and how that might affect getting to the campuses, to the district, um, also bus changes maybe in some bus routes, if it's affecting that at all? And how long is this going to last? Do you have all that information? I, I don't have the, the time frame for it because um, they the city did decide to tear up the streets all at one time. They were not going to do what they've done in the past, open one street, traffic can flow through it. But they've done a great job in narrowing just the area that they're going to be working on. And I'm going to use... Um, it's Laguna Shores between SPID and is that Graham? Yeah. yeah. And that little area, we did have students that were supposed to ride the bus down that corner. They walk a little bit further down the street now up to uh, Knickerbocker. Mm-hmm. So they get picked up there. However, the traffic between Graham and SPID on Laguna Shores is close to public traffic. No one can go through there. However, the city has allowed the people who live there to cross over and what have you, and that's about it. Now, there's another area by Hustlin' Hornet up to um, Caribbean. That area is also closed off, too. The only one that affects are the people who live on Clearview and what have you, those little small streets that go in, but there's no outlet. It's a, it's a cul-de-sac type of uh, neighborhood. Those parents walk up to the corner of Caribbean and, um, and Laguna Shores for the bus if the bus needs to pick them up. But see, I like the way the city's doing it. They're just tearing it all up, fixing it all up one day. I mean, one time, and that's it. They don't have to cut one side and what have you. Um, but they, their time frame, again, I, I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly what the time frame was. I think it's was. about a, a year to a year and a half okay. before completely finished. Right. Um, so it may be affecting us for for a while. For a while. However, our buses do, do come down... Um, Caribbean, they turn towards the right-hand side up to uh, Yorktown mm-hmm. and further down up to Rex and that other area by um, Bluff Landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, those buses are fine. Um, they also have um, Mediterranean that can use to get in and out of that subdivision. The buses that come down Hustle and Hornet, um, those buses that are heading towards the island, they take Graham to head back up to Waldron. And get back onto the expressway to head uh, towards the island and what have you. But for the most part, um, our routes are slow down because of that. But it hasn't really affected us on the ridership and picking up students that need to come to school because the parents are already walking to Caribbean, are already walking to Graham. So, so. well, uh, I want you to brag a little bit on your your staff over there in transportation i know that they've uh it's you know in march when when everything shut down they were kind of affected as far as they weren't you know 
working and doing routes I mean, because everything just completely stopped. And um, when we came back in um, August, they were back training and getting ready and doing all those things. So tell me a little bit about what goes on in transportation, how many staff you have, what all they do. I mean, we have a total of 35. I have a total of 35 people inside there. Uh, we have 20 regular route drivers that do the large buses, and uh, we have five uh, bus aides that help with the special needs with four of those routes. And then I have three shop uh, people that work in the back, two mechanics and a, and a mechanic helper. And then I have three girls in the office. Uh, Nicole does a great job in, in making sure that the routes are printed out, the routes are covered. Uh, Janie is the secretary. She makes sure that everyone else gets their payroll and their stuff done. And then we have our That's lead. important. It's payroll. important. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Amanda who handles, she's our lead driver. She makes, she's here early in the morning and um, makes sure every route is covered. And she does, she does a great job doing that. For the most part, our drivers... Um, this COVID-19 in, in March really, really hurt them. And it was it's kind of um, troublesome because on the financial standpoint. But what happened, and I, and I coached them about it, and I told them the benefits of Flower Bluff compared to other schools is that they had um, this uh, payment. I can't remember exactly what it's named now, but um, they have this where they have um, a certain amount of dollar bills taken out of their paycheck for these months. Mm -hmm. And I said... They're paid 12 months a year as yeah, opposed to maybe just nine or 10 Nine months. or 10 months, yeah. Right. See, because when I was at another district, we had I had to go to the board for permission to get our drivers paid for. Mm -hmm. and, and in Flower Bluff, you didn't have to do that. They had the annualized pay. So now it's the annualized pay that allowed them to receive a paycheck when other districts were struggling to pay their drivers. Um for the most part, they they understood that and they were they appreciate what was happening. Um, but when I first came on board, I mean, I had to work with them, um, and I'm not going to be that person that I'm always going to be up front with them. I'm always going to be there for them, and they've seen that change already. Um, we did a lot of driver training, and I think I was challenged if I could drive a bus. I was challenged if I could if I knew what I was doing behind the wheel. And as an instructor for the Educational Service Center. Um, I was able to show them, hey, look, this is how we can use the bus. This is what the bus does, and this is what you can do. And they were surprised. He goes, hey, I didn't know I can back up like that. I didn't know I can do this with the bus. And I said, well, those are the years of experience that I have and the training that I have that I showed them. And right now they, they've done a great job. I'm very pleased because for the most part, they're the first ones to get up in the morning, right early. It doesn't matter if it's raining. It doesn't matter if Laguna Shores ripped apart. They're still here. And at the end of the day, they're the ones that take your children home. And that's something to me that's very important because I lived it. I worked that. Um, did late night field trips. Many times I wasn't able to be home to celebrate a birthday or just, just to be home, you know, because of those late night trips. And these drivers still do that. And I appreciate that because it's something they do day in and day out. Yeah, the field trips are not that many right now, but there's yeah. still football games. Yeah, I congratulate the, the Flower Bluff Hornets for the playoffs, yeah. and the girls are doing great. So I know we're going to be wonderful. traveling with them, mm -hmm. and these drivers are the ones that do it. Yeah, I know. It's so awesome because they are. They are the first face that many of our kids see when they get to school. You know what I mean? Or even before they get to school, 
it's our bus drivers that they see. And um, they're the first one to, to get greeted by the district, you know, district personnel greeting the kids or whatever. So, um, yes, they are very much appreciated. And uh, uh, you're right, the, the field trips aren't going on right now, but we do have a little bit traveling, you know. The sports, so, yeah, the sports yeah. is what um, – what they look forward to now, it, and it's something that uh, hopefully it will change. I know it's going to change later on for the better, but for the most part, they're they're out there still. I mean, think about getting here at six in the morning and having a split shift, or go back home and come back, and you're not coming back home until eleven o'clock at night from Portland or from wherever you're at your field trips at nighttime. Well. Are we hiring any bus drivers? Or do we have? Do we need bus drivers? I've had the opportunity to bring in three more, and uh, I'm looking for another three or four. I mean, most people think, well, what are they going to do? It's always good to have an uh, extra drivers because there's always going to be that uncertainty where a bus breaks down. You know what? Send this driver to continue the route and finish it off, or what have you, until we get a replacement on that bus, or put that driver back on the road, or you're going to have that field trip where the driver needs to leave at 3.30 in the, morning, in the afternoon, I'm sorry, 3.30 in the afternoon to Rockport. Well, I can have that additional driver cover that route instead of, you know, there's just different ways of, of using. And, or if not, you have that spare driver where it feels, you know, peace of mind knowing that I have someone here just in case something happens. And this is where I'm looking at. So I've been, if you have an opportunity to become a bus driver, come on over to Flower Bluff. That's right. You can apply online, yeah. flowerbluffschools.net. <laughs> um, so we've talked about a lot of things, but this is great, great information. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or hit on before we, we wrap this up? I just want to let them, everybody know that uh, our staff, our bus drivers, and this school is doing everything possible to transport students safely to and from school. Um, I know there's a lot of areas here in Flower Bluff that um, are in development, and there's a lot of areas that don't have sidewalks and major roadways, and that's my goal is to make sure that every student is picked up and dropped off safely. And um, I plan during this uh, changing of routes and looking at routes for the safety of the children and the parents um, this coming week of, of Thanksgiving and making some changes, looking at some stuff for them. Because to me, the ultimate goal is to have ch child transported to and from school safely. And if I need to make a change, either one street or two streets, to make that happen, then I'll do that. Awesome. Well, Mr. Vargas, we appreciate you joining us on our kickoff episode of the Hornet's Nest podcast and uh, providing all this vital information about transportation and how we get kiddos to school and home each day. So um, we look forward to having you on our future future episode. Thank you. I'm glad to be here and let me know. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of The Hornet's Nest. You can find The Hornet's Nest on your favorite podcast platform. If you have questions or topics you would like to hear more about, drop us a line at info at flowerbluffschools.net. Keep up to date with the latest Flower Bluff ISD news and events on our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Flower Bluff ISD.